At Best Western, we can't promise you the perfect family beach vacation. We can't promise that it won't rain or that you won't get a sunburn or that your family won't endearingly call you Lobster Mom for weeks afterward. What we can promise is a warm welcome and a comfortable room amidst all the joyful chaos. Lobster Mom. Life's a trip. Make the most of it at Best Western with over 4,200 hotels worldwide. Save big money on everything for your projects. Now at Menards. We have it all for garden and landscaping essentials. Visit our outdoor garden center today and update your backyard space. Grid accents lattice panels have a timeless design with an innovative design that's simple to install and requires almost no maintenance. Save big on lattice panel options at Menards. View our entire selection of garden center products today on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. I just can't stop eating. I'm just so hungry. What are you eating? Uh, cherries and scrambled eggs together on the same spoonful. And it's delicious. This is four-year-old Becky with her dad, Dan. Dan Pashman. He hosts the wonderful, funny podcast, The Sporkful. It's about food. Actually, it's kind of more about food strategy. Dan's got all these theories on how to eat your food to make it as tasty as possible. Dan's been on this show before. In episode 34, he tried to convince me that food tastes better after it's been soaked with baby saliva. And then in episode 52, he gave me some tips I could actually use and helped us figure out our longest, shortest time signature cocktail. Dan recently went on tour for his book, Eat More Better. He'd go to these events and hand out Oreo cookies, and then he'd do a demonstration. Oh, yeah. So it, it relates to this concept I call proximity effect, which is basically like anytime you put a bite of food in your mouth, whichever parts of that bite are in closest proximity to your tongue will be accentuated. So if you take an Oreo and just bite into it, you don't really actually taste that much cream filling. You mostly taste chocolate cookie. But if you twist it and, and open it and then take the blank cookie and put it on the bottom. So now you have, if you picture the structure you're now holding in your hand from top to bottom, it goes frosting, cookie, cookie. Flip it upside down and put it in your mouth so the frosting goes directly on your tongue. It's the same ratios as before, but now the frosting's right in your tongue and you taste a lot more frosting. My five-year-old, Sasha, saw Dan's demo. She was super into it. Maybe because it was her very first Oreo. But also, I think she was like, oh man, a grown-up who plays with his food? This is awesome. This is The Longest Shortest Time from WNYC. I'm Hillary Frank. We tell all kinds of stories about parent-child relationships. We just finished our two episodes about the accidental gay parents, John and Tristan, and their epic adoption story. So many of you wrote in to tell us that those stories made you cry, at work, on the train, in the car, up in the sky in an airplane. We're going to be telling more stories about unique and intense family situations in the future. But today, we're going to switch it up a little and talk about something that happens in all families, even Tristan and John's. And that thing is eating. Special guest Dan Pashman is here to talk about kids' weird eating habits and why they might not be so weird after all. Stay with us. There's this thing that happens at my dinner table. It's been happening ever since my daughter saw Dan's Oreo demonstration. 
She'll be sitting there experimenting with her food, and maybe I'll give her a raised eyebrow, or I'll say that I need her to eat a little faster. And she'll say to me, ask your friend what he thinks, your food friend. So here are some of the examples. Like, um, she likes to put animal crackers in her milk, like her cup of milk, and then she eats them with a spoon. Like cereal. Yeah, and she says it gets all sogged up. (laughs) (laughs) She likes when it gets all sogged up. Um, And here's another one. So we're going to play you this one. What do you like to do with American cheese? Mm, Bagel sandwich. Don't you like to make it into shapes? House. Tell me about it. Um, How do you do it? Um, I use a whole square, then get some other pieces, put four windows and the door, and then a little circle doorbell, and then a little circle doorknob, and then and then I put a triangle roof, and then um I put the chimney on, and then I might put some smoke. And why do you do it? The smoke? No, the whole, why do you make it into a house? So I can eat the house. Does it taste better that way? Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, so that so that's my daughter Sasha. We we have another one that's about um, presentation. So I'm going to play you that one as well. Hi, I'm Lily from Eugene, Oregon. What's your recipe? Um, it's a marshmallow castle with maple syrup. We put we put on it and toothpicks to stick the castle together and then and then you cover it with maple syrup and then stick the popcorn onto it. <laughs> That's a future engineer right there. <laughs> she understands that the, the adhesive power of the maple syrup. <laughs> so I have a question for you. Um you have the cheese house. You have the marshmallow castle. Does presentation impact the taste of food? Like kids think it tastes better, and and like chefs do plating. Sure, yeah. D- does presentation impact the flavor? Um, in a narrow sense, it probably does not. But in the sense, there's sort of there's the 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 taste or the flavor, and then there's like the eating experience, and the eating experience is more than just. The taste, you know, because otherwise, like you say, why would any chef bother making anything look good? Because in theory, it's just about how it tastes. So I remember when I was a kid, we would have cheeseburgers. My brother and I would take the top bun off and to apply the ketchup, we would always draw a picture with the ketchup. And then we would draw an X through it. So we'd like draw a smiley face and then an X through it and be like, no smiley faces in my cheeseburger or whatever (laughs) we're going to draw. No houses or no trees in my cheeseburger. We'd always X it out. And, like, that was fun. Like, did it taste any different than the same amount of ketchup applied willy-nilly? No, but it improved the eating experience. Mm. <laughs> You're reminding me that my mom used to make me a plate of tuna fish salad and then make a face on it out mm-hmm. of, like, cut vegetables, like like cherry tomatoes and carrots and celery and stuff. And then she would take, like, Mr. Potato Head eyeglasses and put them on top. Well, that's another level. That's very impressive. <laughs> And I definitely thought it tasted better. (laughs) Yeah, no, totally. Okay, I'm going to just stop the tape here and say my memory of this is that I loved the tuna salad faces, like like loved it a lot. But my mom just sent me a picture of myself as a kid with a tuna salad face sitting in front of me at the table, and I do not look happy. We have this picture on our website, longestshortesttime.com. 
Anyway, uh, we knew that we could not do a show about kids and weird eating habits without hearing from your kids. So we asked you to have your kids call in their weirdest food creations. And I played Dan some of our favorites. Hi, this is Josie, and I'm nine years old and live in Seattle, Washington. My weird food creation is chili with milk in it. I think it makes sense and is almost exactly like sour cream and chili, but my mom and dad think it's disgusting. It goes well with chips and milk in a glass. <laughs> milk in the chili and milk in a glass. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but if Josie in Seattle truly legitimately likes her chili with milk in it, I say go for it. This reminded me... Um, my daughter likes to put all of her food in her milk. She's, she, this is something that she's been doing since she was very little. And and so it started out like when she was like, I don't know, like 18 months or something um, and was just starting to be able to like call out for different kinds of food items. Right. She'd be like broccoli, you know, avocado, bread, crackers, chicken. And I would like bring things to her. Because I was still in the mindset of, like, must do everything baby ass. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then I would, like, you know, like, go into the kitchen and, like, scream into a towel. <laughs> 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 but, but then she would, like, mush it all up into her milk and not eat it. Oh. So I wonder, like, where do you draw the line between where you let your kid be creative with their food and and giving them limits because you don't want them to waste the food? Right. Well, that's... I think maybe the line is if they eat it. Mm-hmm. You know, like my daughter combines scrambled eggs and cherries. Seems a little weird to some people, but she she licked her plate clean. So great. You know, if Sasha takes all this food and then wastes it, to me, like, that's more frustrating because then they're just playing, you know. But it also depends on the age of your kid. You know, like you're, you're talking about Sasha when she's 18 months. It's a little bit hard to explain to an 18-month-old, like, no, you can't have this because you're not going to eat it, and therefore that's being wasteful. Like, yeah. you know, Josie's nine. She understands that concept. Right. Know? Sasha's five now, and she gets the concept and still tricks me into letting her <laughs> <laughs> throw everything into her milk. Right. <laughs> but does she always not eat it, or she sometimes does eat it? The milk thing, she never – unless it's, like, the animal crackers in the milk, then she'll – if it's, like, cookies and milk, she'll have it. But then, like, dumping orange juice in milk, I'm like, you're not going to like that. I to- it's so funny to say because that's another one of my weird memories from my childhood. I remember it was this phase where, like, I must have had a sleepover somewhere, I seem to recall, and my my friends were doing it, and I thought it was the cool thing to do was to pour, like, eat a bowl of cereal. You had the leftover milk and then take a glass of orange juice and pour it into the cereal milk. And I remember my mom insisting that it was going to somehow make us sick, like that it would give us a stomach ache. Or maybe she thought the milk would curdle, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and... It probably made me feel a little bit queasy, but I never wanted to admit it, you know. Mm-hmm. But it also tastes a little bit like a creamsicle. So there's so many rules that we have about what foods go with what foods, and a lot of them don't make sense. Okay, uh, let's hear another clip. Hi, my name is Keaton. I'm 10 years old, and I live in Normal, Illinois. And I love blue cheese dressing. I have blue cheese dressing on chicken tenders. I have blue cheese dressing on french fries. I have it on tortilla chips. I have it on hot dogs. I have blue cheese dressing on almost whatever you can think of. And I don't have any friend who loves blue cheese dressing as much as I do. That sounds good to me. I say thumbs up. I don't, I don't think there's anything that he listed in there that goes with blue cheese that is all that shocking, really. I mean, like, the only thing that was noteworthy, really, is just the quantity of blue cheese this child's probably consuming. 
like that doesn't sound like an age appropriate thing to like on everything. Like ketchup, yes. Blue cheese, I don't know. Cheese whiz, yeah. Right, right, right. <laughs> no, totally. But, but I, I mean, I think that, um, you know, our whole country's palate is expanding. And it makes sense that kids today would like things that we may not have liked when we were kids. I did a spork for a while back where I went to the Campbell's Soup Test Facility. Mm-hmm. And one of the most interesting things I learned there was talking about their market research. And they track menu trends from like four-star fancy restaurants right to McDonald's to see what the next thing's going to be. And, you know, their target audience is very much like middle-of-the-road supermarket shoppers. You know, it's Campbell's Soup. And they've had huge hits with the different Asian-style dishes that they didn't think that mainstream America was ready for, you know. And, like, spicy foods, you know, like, sriracha's everywhere now. Like, Americans eat a lot more spicy food than we did 20 years ago. We eat a lot more Asian food and Indian food than we did 20 years ago. So it makes sense that that would trickle down to kids. Okay, let's hear another one. Hi, my name is Liam Wenger, and I'm 12 years old and from Phoenixville, Pennsylvania. I get a white pizza with pineapple and dill pickles on it. What do you think? I think it's got potential. I mean, I I think pickles are really interesting because they're the kind of food that has a very strong flavor. And so people naturally assume that it must be the kind of food that is sort of very polarizing. People either like them or not like them. And then it's kind of food that isn't going to go well with many other things because it's got this strong flavor. But actually, pickles do go well with a lot of things like and the idea of, of something very sweet like pineapple with pickle, like that, I think that could be great. You strike me as being very difficult to gross out with food. Yeah, that's pretty true. I have a pretty high tolerance. But, like, I, I can think of one thing that my kids ate that did gross me out. I don't know if you remember this phase when, like, your kids are first starting to eat solid food, but you're still feeding with, them with a spoon. Yeah. And I was trying to get them to eat, like, green vegetables, and they didn't love the peas, but they loved the yogurt. So I started putting like a little tiny bit of pureed peas on the spoon with the yogurt and they would eat that. And then I started just sort of dumping a bunch of pureed peas into the container of yogurt and mixing it all together. Uh-huh. And that grossed me out. Yeah, like the that idea of like pureed peas mixed into yogurt. And I would always try to see like what ratio, like how much peas can I get in here before she'll stop eating it, before she'll realize that it doesn't taste like yogurt anymore. <laughs> and... You know, uh, that was a little bit gross. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on from yeah. the peas and yogurt. <laughs> so we have one more um, interesting food combination for you. Hi, so my name's Erica, and I'm 23, and I'm from Long Island. And um, I remember when my brother was about 9 or 10 years old, we'd come home from school every day, and I'd ask my mom, you know, for an apple, maybe some cheese and crackers, whatever, my brother would go into the kitchen and ask my mom to make a hot dog with peanut butter and sliced grapes. Um, the hot dog had to be cut into small discs with no bun, like um, little kind of circles, served with peanut butter. And um, I don't remember if he dipped the hot dog into like a glob of peanut butter and then ate it with the grapes, or if everything was pre-assembled. I'm going to have to do some research and ask my mom about this. You were wincing on that one. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know what's funny is that I'll I'll bet you thought that the gross part of that was the grape. (laughs) I think the whole thing sounds gross. Like, just to me, actually, like, this seems like, like, honestly, if a food truck in Brooklyn started serving hot dogs with grapes on them, people would go crazy for it. 
it's more like I'm not sure what the peanut butter is bringing to the table exactly. <laughs> yeah, know, that you really needed there. <laughs> I guess it that, sticks them together. Yes, it's an adhesive. It's a nice mortar in your structure, I suppose, but it's a stretch. <laughs> <laughs> That also just seems like a labor-intensive snack. Totally. And you know what it makes me think of? One of the worst things that happened in the history of food in my household is that at some very young age, we got our kids into a lunch food that somehow was named Little Sammy's, like Little Sandwiches. And what it is is you take a piece of rye bread and cut it into little squares, like one centimeter by one centimeter squares. And then you put a piece of avocado which needs to be cut to a one centimeter square on top. And then you put a piece of American cheese, one centimeter by one centimeter on top of that. And it's a huge pain in the ass to make little Sammies. It drives me crazy. Like, <laughs> and then, you know, half the time they'll like knock them over or like, you know, parents out there, if you have very young kids, before you get your kids really excited about a certain food, just uh, proceed with caution <laughs> because you could get me stuck with it for years. <laughs> Coming up, grown-up foods that gross out kids. Plus, I reveal to Dan my own weird food hang-up that I've had since childhood. Don't go away. Hey, everybody. We've got something fun that we want you to do with us. We know you've all got amazing pictures of your kids eating. Maybe it's your preteen with her weird food creation. Maybe it's your baby with spaghetti sauce all over his face. We want you to dig up these pictures or take new ones. Post them to Instagram and Twitter with the hashtag KidEaters. That's KidEaters. We'll grab our favorites and post them on our blog. I can't wait to see what you send in. So do it now. Thanks. At Best Western, we can't promise you the perfect family beach vacation. We can't promise that it won't rain or that you won't get a sunburn or that your family won't endearingly call you Lobster Mom for weeks afterward. What we can promise is a warm welcome and a comfortable room amidst all the joyful chaos. Lobster Mom. Life's a trip. Make the most of it at Best Western with over 4,200 hotels worldwide. Saving money on everything for your projects. Now at Menards. We have it all for garden and landscaping essentials. Visit our outdoor garden center today and update your backyard space. Grid accents lattice panels have a timeless design with an innovative design that's simple to install and requires almost no maintenance. Save big on lattice panel options at Menards. View our entire selection of garden center products today on Menards.com. Save big money at We're back. After Dan and I listened to all the kid tape, he turned the mic on me. And so how do you feel about these these sort of strange food combinations? Are they all gross to you? Or like, where do you see as the line between sort of creativity and just disgustingness? I mean, I think um, I like salty and sweet. Um, I have a textural thing. So um, I have a thing about white goo. Which, Pro or con? Con. Okay. But yeah, so I have this thing. So I hear the blue cheese thing, and that sounds gross to me. Right. Because that's like white goo. So like marshmallow fluff. Yeah. You don't like that. Yuck. Sour cream. Okay. 
What about what other like shredded white white cheese that's been melted so it's gooey? Oh, that's yum. But that's not yeah, that's not the same kind of goo. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Mayonnaise. Oh no. What what if you is it, is it only white? White. Mhm. Do you know why I, I can understand and identify with a textural issue? Why white? I don't know. It's it's something I've had ever since I was a kid. It's like um my my dad would take me out um, on the weekends. We would go and get breakfast at a diner together, and he would get like his scrambled eggs and coffee, and he would get me, I think, pancakes and a hot chocolate. And I couldn't have butter on my pancakes or whipped cream <laughs> on my hot chocolate because they were both white gooey. So how do you feel about butter now? Would you spread butter on toast? No. What do you spread on toast? Jam. Interesting. <laughs> How about cream cheese? I don't like cream cheese either. It's white goo. <laughs> so, so we can get grossed out by um, kids' food choices sometimes, right? But they get grossed out by ours too. You know, like um, my daughter is grossed out by potatoes. That's a weird one. Like I love potatoes. And and she's even, like, she won't do French fries unless they're the very, very, like, little crunchy ones. Like shoestring. Yeah, and she, like, she won't, she does not like the soft ones at all, but I like, like, those are my favorite, the soggy <laughs> ones, the ones that are all sogged up, as she would say. <laughs> um, recently, now, so, like, Sasha is somebody who, up until this point in her life, used to pretty much eat anything except for potatoes. And... um Recently, it's been hard to figure out what to feed her because she's going through phases of not liking certain things. But so, so the other day she was eating some chicken I had made and she was chewing it. And she said, Mom, is this really the dead body of a chicken in my mouth? <laughs> oh, no. And I said, yes. <laughs> and she spat it out and she hasn't eaten meat since. This was maybe a month ago. Wow. How do you feel about Sasha's feeling about the meat? So I feel like it's totally fine with me. I eat meat. I don't eat a ton of meat, but it's part of my diet. And if she turns out to really take a strong stand on it and want to be vegetarian, totally fine with me. And I cook mostly vegetarian anyway. But the the thing that freaked me out about it was that, like, it plays into her. She's been obsessed with death for a long time. And so um, I'm more concerned about what she's thinking about death because after that conversation came some questions about, like, when our cat's going to die. And so I'm I'm thinking a lot about how to help her sort through her feelings about death. And I can totally understand, like, when she said that about the dead body of a chicken in her mouth, like, it made me want to be a vegetarian, too. Right. And – like, the idea of eating death was, like, so palpable and gross and horrible. And it just – it made me so sad to think about her um, internalizing that. Right. Yeah, we haven't gotten – we haven't gotten the question quite that pointedly. You know, my wife has said that, like, she's just sort of anticipating the moment when – because like, we, we have a farm near us that we sometimes go to buy chicken and you can see the chickens – playing in the, you know, in the barn, and then you go into the store and you buy a, 
a chicken wrapped in saran wrap and go home and cook it. Like, it's only going to be so much time before we get the same question. But it's interesting to me because, like, now we live in this era where, like, it's... Because I have other friends who've had the same similar experience as you. And, like, I know kids who are, don't eat meat, you know, even if their parents do. And, like, I, you have to figure that, like, 50 years ago, five- and six-year-olds had the same realization at a certain point and asked their parents the same question. And back then it just, like, was not accepted. It was not normal. Like, you're just – you eat meat. So yeah. I, I don't know whether it was just the parents said, shut up and eat this mm-hmm. or, like, how it was handled back then versus now, you mm-hmm. know? Like, I'm kind of curious about that because they must have gotten that question, right? I'm guessing shut up and eat this because I think that's probably how a lot of parents handle the, like, I don't want to eat vegetables thing too. Right. So, Hillary, hearing all of these different kids – creations, will it change any of the restrictions that you put on Sasha and what she eats or any of the No, I don't I don't really put restrictions on what she eats. Um But like if she takes a whole bunch of food and dumps it in her milk and oh, doesn't eat it. No, I'm still gonna be putting limits on that. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? Like my kid's five now, she's entering kindergarten and she, she um still has a bit of her baby accent. But, like, she's becoming a big kid, and um, it's not only about how she eats in the home, but it's also about she's going to be going on playdates um, more and more often where I'm not there, and she's eating at different people's tables. And, like, I have a memory of being at um, a friend's house, and they handled dinner very differently from how my family handled dinner. Um, And they had a no elbows on the table rule. First of all, and I got I got scolded for that oh. by the other parents, and then they were serving. <laughs> so this is after I had already figured out that I didn't like white goo. <laughs> <laughs> they served Swedish meatballs, and I had never had them. Oh. And they had this like white goo sauce on the meatballs, and I was looking at them, and I was sort of picking at them, and I got scolded by the parents for not eating, finishing my plate. Is this the same elbows on the table parents? It's the same night, yeah. And so I ate up the Swedish meatballs, and that night I threw up into my sleeping bag. (laughs) 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 It was disgusting, and, like, it was, like, one of those sleeping bags that's, like, it's not like nylon where you can rub it it's off. Like a it's cloth. Like, it's, it's absorbent. Like sort of woolly. Yeah. Oh. Um, I mean, not that there's a good sleeping bag to throw up Swedish meatballs into. So then we had but, to like get the parents and like uh, <laughs> and get them. To I help hope you didn't get up. scolded again. I she the mom was not happy. <laughs> I mean, I can I can I'll give her being not happy, but she still shouldn't scold you. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so having that experience at that friend's house was, like, really traumatizing for me. I can bet, yeah. Um, but I I want Sasha to be um, not only prepared to eat at our house, but also to go to other people's houses, and other people have different rules. And so, like, at home, I see her eating with her hands a lot. And um, I heard your episode about eating with your hands – Right. Um, like you were in, in that episode. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but I wasn't talking about. Right. It was, that was Arun Paul talking about 
um, the Indian culture of eating with your hands and children doing it and grown-ups doing it and having your mom make food balls out of things on your plate. And um, and and I think about that every time she's eating with her hands and I'm like, can you use your utensils, please? And, um, and then I'm like, why am I making her do this? But then I think, well, there are a couple reasons. One is she's more likely to get sick, I think, if she's eating with her hands. And then also I just worry about her going to other people's houses and being scolded like I was at this girl's house. Right. You know? Um, So I might also be telling her, like, you know, you can do that right now here. But, like, at school and at other people's houses, there are going to be expectations for you to eat with your utensils. Yeah. And, and like, when you look at different cultures, that's also, like, another place where you just see how ridiculous some of our rules are. You know, but the things, the foods we will eat, the foods we won't eat, the foods we don't combine together, the way that we eat them. So many of these rules are just totally pointless constructs that make no sense. That's the nice it takes kids to teach us that. Dan Pashman hosts the Sporkful podcast. Check it out on iTunes or at sporkful.com. I recommend listening to one of his recent episodes with comic Jim Gaffigan, who talks about eating with his five children and how he lies to them about food. Thanks to all the Longest Shortest Time and Sporkful listeners who called in their weird food creations for this episode. Many of those voices came from our app, which you can download in the iTunes store. We switch up the question every other week, so go get the app and answer our questions. Your voice might wind up on our show. You can also stream every episode in that app and find help by topic. This podcast is a production of The Longest Shortest Time and WNYC. The show is produced by me, Hilary Frank, and Joanna Salataroff with help from Ellen Mayer. Bill Moss mixed the show. Our theme music is by The Batteries Duo. Special thanks to Paula Schumann, Peter Clowney, Bill O'Neill, and Anne Sanny. I'll be back with a new episode in two weeks at 3 o'clock in the morning. We are here always to keep you company in those wee hours. But if you're not up then, don't worry. You can get the podcast at a reasonable time. Just subscribe to our newsletter. Go to our website, enter your email in the little box there, and I'll send you a secret link six hours earlier than the show gets posted. And here at The Longest Shortest Time, we want you on our show. So pitch us your stories. It can be anything about your relationship with your kids or your relationship with your parents. We love to hear things we've never heard before. So surprise us. Go to LongestShortestTime.com and submit your story. Camila's eating her oatmeal, she's eating her breakfast, and she's really enjoying it. She makes this lovely sound when she eats something she likes. Western, we can't promise you the perfect family beach vacation. We can't promise that it won't rain, or that you won't get a sunburn, or that your family won't endearingly call you Lobster Mom for weeks afterward. 
what we can promise is a warm welcome and a comfortable room amidst all the joyful chaos. Lobster Mom. Life's a trip. Make the most of it at Best Western with over 4,200 hotels worldwide. 